Hi, everybody. Before we start this episode of OK, OK, So, which is our brand new podcast once a week, as well as our regular podcast, we're also offering it on Patreon at the $3 tier, which will include OK, OK, So and our weekly podcast without commercials like this one. Um, So we hope you enjoy it. It's just Sean. So, um, you know, send your emails to Sean, not me. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this and, um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hi there. This is Sean Barton with, okay. Okay. So I want to talk about the Olympics. I want to talk about Ukraine and I want to talk about the pandemic. First off the IOC. I have nothing good to say about the IOC. I think they're corrupt. They have been corrupt from the very beginning, and I've had personal experience in business dealings with the IOC, particularly on the U.S. Olympic Committee side, as well as the governing body, the IOC, to know it's all about money. It's really, truly all about money. There's nothing sacred about it. There's nothing that, you know, we want to take the best of the best that aren't professional and rise them, help them rise to, you know, great heights. No, that's not the case at all. It's all about money. It always has been, always will be. And the IOC seems to have mentored, or should I say FIFA has mentored the IOC on its corruption. But the case that I want to talk about is that Camilla Valieva, Valieva, I'm going to bastardize the name and I apologize. But anyway, I think that we all know now that she got tagged and they're still questioning whether she's going to get a medal or not. And if she does well, will she medal and so forth? And apparently she's this great skater. I've only seen clips. I haven't seen the whole thing because I'm a guy and it just doesn't interest me. But what I want to talk about is the whole doping thing. Now, Russia isn't even supposed to be there. And technically, they're not. But here's the funny thing. So, Russia isn't able to hoist their flag or do their anthem because they got nailed for doping. But yet, they still sent a team, but it's not officially the Russian team. So, yeah, someone needs to explain that one to me. But again, it's all about corruption. So... Camilla apparently took some medication, heart medication, I guess. And then it's, it's kind of been tossed around. Is it heart medication? Is it some kind of medication to calm yourself, which I guess is kind of more of the same, but different, but she claims that, you know, she took it by accident. She, it, it might've been her grandfather's, but someone needs to explain to her that apparently she took it three times because she had enough in her that she had taken it on at least three different occasions. But anyway, she gets nailed for doping, and then the IOC says, no, it's okay, and now they're saying it's not okay, so there's that whole kerfuffle. And then their sanctioning body comes back and said that they're worried about the irreparable harm. To whom? And if they're so worried about the irreparable harm, then set up, set her up with proper counseling to deal with the incredible sad situation that, that she finds herself in. And or send her home. The irreparable harm that will be done to this entire Olympic Games should be f- at the forefront of their minds, should be first and foremost. But it's not. They don't care. 
She got nailed for doping, and she should be sent home. There are other athletes that got tagged for marijuana, cannabis. They were sent home. There are other athletes that were nailed because they had an inhaler because they needed the inhaler. And it was sanctioned before, during, but all of a sudden, somewhere a week before the Olympics, they go, you know what? This has a steroid. Well, it helps that athlete breathe. It helps them breathe. But that athlete got tossed aside and kicked out. Wasn't able to go. But yet, this Russian athlete, this skater, is able to continue. So tell me how there isn't corruption. How there isn't this cloud that is consistently hanging over the Olympics and how corrupt it is. And I want to back up to the point of, I don't understand why anyone is in China. Why are why are any U.S. athletes there? And when they sit there and tell me, goes, well, this is my chance. Listen, I'm not a, I'm not that, I'm not at that caliber of an athlete. I never was. I think at one point I might have looked it, but I wasn't. I wasn't. So I don't understand why they're there. But if someone came to me, if I was an Olympic a- athlete, and if I had my way, I'd be a bobsledder. I think that'd be the coolest thing. Or luge. I think luge would be the coolest thing. Just inches above the ice and just going like 80 miles an hour. I think that'd be great, but I digress. Anyway, so if I was an Olympic athlete and someone said, hey, you're going to China, I'm going like with all the atrocities and all the stuff that's going on in China, I said, yeah, you know what? I'll pass. I'm, I'm going to do a hard pass. And they're going, to go, well, this could be your only chance. You know, that, that, that would be a hard call, but I would still pass. And I don't understand how athletes can sit there and go, well, you know, I've trained all this time and so forth. So you're basically saying that it's you first as opposed to all the atrocities that are happening in China. That's okay. So when I see the Sean Whites and all the well-known names that are going there and, and people are going like, yeah, this is his last time. We send him out with a, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, to me, Sean White should have done the right thing. He should have been the voice. He's the name. He's the face that people recognize. He could have been someone, he could have been the name, he could have been the face, he could have been someone that people would have listened to. But no. Okay, so here's part two. Okay, okay, so the Ukraine. Why are we bothering? And I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't and we shouldn't be unsympathetic or uncaring or whatever, but... I'm wondering, why are we getting so involved? And we seem to be the only country that is. I mean, others are going to sanction and, you know, do things from their side of the border. But we're actually sending people. No one else is. And here's my thing, is that the Ukraine wants to become part of NATO. Well, that's not going to happen. It hasn't in, you know, in the last 50 years plus, And it won't for another 50 years. But the threat of the Ukraine sitting at the table really bothers Russia. And I understand why and Russia is just a big bully. I mean, we all know that. But it's not like they're going to invade before. They, they were posturing beforehand. And it seems like our you know, generals and majors are the ones that are really pushing hard 
for something to happen. If you watch the news and you listen to the generals and the majors, they want this to happen in the worst way. And I don't get it. Does it mean that more money is going to be spent on weapons and military and new you know, military tech upgrade? Because that's kind of really what it seems like. Because it seems like we just got out of one war in Afghanistan, and that was handled, our exit was handled poorly, period. It, was, it, it just was. And who handled that? Yeah, the generals and majors. But Ukraine wants to become part of NATO. You know what? I don't know all the rules, regulations, the policies and procedures for someone to set at the table. But if, Na- if, if, if the Ukraine wasn't there before, you know, why the big push now? Because they want to sit at the adult table? It's not going to happen. It just won't happen. They just don't have the push, the gravitas and the cachet to do so. They may have oil resources, but you got to bring something else to the table. Now, Russia's the big bully. We all know that. But it seems like if we react, then it just seems that we're just solidifying the Cold War all over again. And I don't get it. I don't. I just don't get it. I mean, all the pontificating that I've, that I've seen and I've heard and I've read, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, and again, it just, it just seems like the only people that really want this to happen are generals and majors so that everyone can get paid. More military, more tech, more warmongering. And is it so bad that the Ukraine doesn't sit at the table? Because that doesn't seem to be the discussion that uh, this White House administration is really talking about. They're not talking about, hey, let's get Ukraine a seat at the table. No, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. And Russia has, you know, postured on other borders and haven't done anything. And it seems that what's interesting is that Russia has, you know, established these bases or makeshift bases, uh, mash units, if you will. Well, I guess that'd be medical. I take that back. That they have these mobile units at the border. And then they've, you know, they're, they're removing some, they're adding some. It's all this give and take. But at the same time, they haven't stepped away from negotiations. And all they want from Biden is a guarantee that he will not back the Ukraine in getting a seat at the table. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it actually, for you know, the conspiracy theorists that want to go back to the previous uh, administration, which was to have, you know, the connection of the Bidens and the Ukraine and uh, was it Biden's son with the Ukraine? It, so it feeds into that. So if someone has a solution, by all means, hit me up. Let us know. Because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Okay, and finally, part three. Okay. Okay, so... We're obviously still in the pandemic, and yet, you know, the mandates have come, they've gone away, there's all this conjecture about one side or another, but I'm kind of curious as to, you know, who's to say when the pandemic is over? I mean, we had a president that was on some battleship that 
proclaim mission accomplished. <laughs> that obviously went on for another, was it seven years? So who's to say? Is it the president? Is it the CDC? Is it Dr. Fauci? Is it the governor? Your school superintendent, the mayor, a city councilman, your neighbor, your mother, your husband, your wife? Who's to say? It's my understanding that at the end, or if you want to even call it the end, when the Spanish flu hit, and then after it was determined that the pandemic, the Spanish flu was over, it continued to kill hundreds of thousands of people for the next three years. So as we listen to, you know, newscasters, radio, TV, whatever media, whatever station, we listen to podcasters and politicians, you know, your local state and federal reps. I'm kind of curious as to, you know, who makes that call? When do you say? Is it, is it when there's only 100,000 deaths nationwide? 10,000? 100? Because I think we're going to be with this for quite some time. I think that as the pandemic continues, I think that we will find better ways of socializing. I think there'll still be masks. I think there'll still be, you know, social distancing. And I think that, you know, obviously hygiene will obviously come into play even more so just to be done with it. I really do. I see that Microsoft has asked all employees to come back to work by the end of the month. Because according to them, they're all good. Pandemic's not over, but you can come back to work in an office because work from home apparently isn't working. So I'm kind of curious, when do we know when who's to say, and are they truly the authority? Is it your local mayor to sit there and say the pandemic's over and we all believe in herd immunity. And, you know, we've all heard about different things about herd immunity, whether, you know, you know, if we all do this together, then, you know, the body will build up its own immune system. And every time I hear the, you know, the, I guess the term or the phrase herd immunity, I'm also reminded of another one. It's called thinning the herd. So like anything else, do you want to be the one who's thinned or the one who's in the herd and has to watch someone else that you know, that you love, be thinned out? So that whole concept of herd immunity has never really, you know, struck me with as valid. But I want to ask, I mean, I know that people are doing better with the idea of social distancing, the idea of wearing a mask. And I say the idea because 
we still see people with, you know, dropping the mask below the nose. We still see people that have to be reminded to wear a mask when they enter someplace or just put one on. I don't see the outrage that we've all seen on TV and such. I haven't experienced that. In all my travels, everyone's been pretty cool about wearing a mask on a plane. Some people still need to be reminded and such, but it is what it is. People will be people. And I worry about, you know, what if something even more severe, I don't know what would be more severe than a pandemic, but let's, whatever that is. What if something was truly life and or death that affected you? Would you really go along with someone going like, you know what, this is an inconvenience. It bothers me wearing a mask. It's, it's, it's this, it's that. It bothers my ears. I can't really breathe too well. It fogs up my glasses. Whatever excuse they want to come up with, you just kind of go, oh, wow. What a whiny little bitch. But going back to the topic at hand, I'm curious. Who's to say when the pandemic is over? Because I certainly don't know. And I don't think you want me in charge. <laughs>